السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ I read a book many years ago uh, by a lady whose name was Anna Marie Schimmel, who was a great uh, Islamic scholar who taught at uh, Harvard. And it was a book about Sufism. And uh, there was a line in the book that was from the either 12th or 14th century. And it said... Sufism used to be a way of being. Now at best, it's a philosophy. And we need to understand that because it's critical to understanding the path. Sufism is about becoming. It's not about talking about things. It's not about explaining things. It's about being a certain way. Uh, we were fortunate enough uh, to have had a exalted teacher for 14 years. And in that time, when we were with him, we saw what it was that he was talking about. We understood what it meant to become Insan Kamal, or true human being, because we had the example of a true human being. And there were lots of standard lines that we were told that we began to try and understand, like, um, to die before death is the Sufi way of life. Okay, what's that mean? Uh, any separation between you and anyone else is a separation between you and Allah. What's that mean? And how do we incorporate that into our being? How do we become that? When Sufism was in its origins, they used to have what they called dargas, which were monasteries for uh, people who wanted to follow the path. And these people actually segregated, separated themselves from the community to try and work on themselves to become the way that the teacher was, to become like the teacher, to learn what he was talking about. And what separated the teacher from regular people? What was different about my teacher than the students? Why did people come to see him? Well, there were lots of reasons. But once you were in his presence, it was evident that he was somehow very different than everybody else you had ever met. That he was somehow detached from this world in a way that we never saw before. He interacted as if he did not have the burdens of family and culture 
and society's upbringing and the rules and regulations that we've all grown up in. He, he acted in a way as if these things didn't burden him or were not involved with him. But what you did learn that was that there was a kindness there that was so kind that it was difficult to explain. There was a love there that was so overwhelming that it was difficult to put into words. And there was a peace that came over you there that wasn't available anywhere else. And immediately, upon entering into his presence, it's as if the molecules in the air changed and everything was different. Well, why? What is it that he had that made him so different? And what can we do to get that? Because his instruction to us was, become like me. He told us that if we wanted to know what he knew, we had to become like him. So the question is, how do you become like him? Well, he talked to us at length. And there are thousands upon thousands of hours of discourses of him talking. But beyond that... It was the way he was when we were in his presence. There was something about his being that was different than other beings. So let's talk a little bit about that. He would explain to us that there are various worlds, and this is just one of them. And this world is an illusory world. It's a world that's not real. And he would explain to us that Allah, the creator, was a non-elemental force in the universe. He was not what we could see with these eyes or hear with these ears or smell, or touch. He wasn't available to these senses. Allah is something beyond our senses. I then also began to understand that the truly know Bawa, the teacher, he was also beyond our senses. Even though we saw him, and he was manifest in the same way that we are manifest, there was more to his manifestation that we had to understand. And what we needed to understand was that he was also, while being manifest, he was in touch with the non-manifest world simultaneously. So, those of you who have read about Sufis and have read about exalted beings and read the stories and the legends have understood or read about things like the fact that they could appear in more than one place at the same time. 
that they could be giving a talk in one city and also be giving a talk in another city at the same time. And people would come together and they say, I just saw him here. Say, so how could that be? I saw him there. Well, how do these things happen? What is it that brings about these kinds of things? Well, behind everything that we see, there is another world that is not visible through our eyes and through our senses. Scientists have now been able, through various uh, methods, to decipher some of what this non-manifest world is like. And what they have found is that it's quite different than what we see. And the rules and regulations of this world are quite different than the rules and regulations of the manifest world. Uh, the manifest world is described by Newtonian physics. And I don't mean to get too complicated, but it basically means that in space and time, we can make certain assumptions and we can predict what will happen in space and time in the manifest world. In what they call quantum mechanics, which is the world of the atoms, the non-manifest world, the rules of physics in the manifest world don't work. They have an entire different way of things operating. Now, imagine when we talk about Allah and we talk about the qualities of Allah. When we talk about mercy and compassion and generosity and love, what do these things all have in common? They are not material. You can't weigh them. You can't see them. Yet they exist. And they have enormous effect on people. So, we are not only in interaction with that which we see, we are also in interaction with certain kinds of qualities that we can't see, but which can express themselves through us and come through us and activate through us and establish what kind of being we are in this manifest world. Now, the unmanifest world is Allah's world. And within that unmanifest world are the qualities that are Allah. These unmanifest qualities manifest into this world. They cross over from the non-manifest world into the manifest world. But also, Newtonian physics can't describe love. Newtonian physics can't describe mercy. Physics cannot describe the actions the way God's qualities exist in the world. 
So these pass through the barrier between the manifest world and the non-manifest world. Bawa, exalted teachers, Ketubs, are in touch with the non-manifest and the manifest simultaneously. Why was Jesus able to walk on water? Because he could travel between the non-manifest and the manifest. So these aren't miracles for him. This is just an expansive being who is beyond the, the physics of this world. And from what I saw when I was with Bawa, he was a being who was beyond the physics of this world. He told us things like, while you're in this world, don't get involved in praise and blame. While you're in this world, don't take things too much to heart, because your heart is a holy place. And your heart is what can bring you into the truth. Your mind can only take you to a certain place. But if you want to travel further, your consciousness has to change from your mind to your heart. And the heart is the area where love can generate. And when love generates and love becomes strong within you, you can leave this illusory world and go into the non-manifest world. You can enter into the qualities of Allah. Now, think about that. We have desires in this world, and we are constantly trying to accumulate that which we have desires for. And we think that we're going to get gratification from them. Well, after we've had some of these things for a while, we realize the limit of the gratification, and we realize that manifest things only excite us to a certain extent. Mostly, the way they excite us is the anticipation of having manifest things that we didn't get yet, or that we can't get. So the anticipation creates an imagination of what's going to happen if we can obtain these things we desire. And then after we obtain them, that imagination goes away because now we're dealing with the reality of having them and they never come up to the expectation. Now, if we can go into ourselves, deeply into ourselves, through zikr, through meditation, we can enter areas of emotional and quality satisfaction in our being that's not available in the material world. So, 
we should know that we are not only a material being, we also have within us a spiritual nature. And when people talk about spiritual, what do they mean? They mean the non-manifest world. They mean the world that we can't see. They mean the world that is beyond form. So we have to understand that not only are we form, but there's also part of us that is not form. We are light beings. And we have within us a light that was put into us by our Creator. Now, what's the difference between light and matter? Light is more like energy. Light can't be weighed. Light moves at speeds that are beyond comprehension in our material world. We have to be cognizant of that. And while being cognizant of that, we should be cognizant that we are capable of inducing high states of love and mercy and gratitude within our being. And how do we do this? Through intention. You don't get it from books. (laughs) You get it from intention. And if you have this intention, and this intention is strong, it will alter your consciousness, and you will begin to see things in a different way. But this takes work. And Bauer used to say, when you run into a true Sufi, you can recognize him by the vibratory nature that comes from him because of all of the zikr that he has done, all of the meditation that he has done, all of the prayers that he has done. Now, in, in the world today, we have religions. And people call themselves uh, Methodist or Presbyterian or Christian or Catholic or Jewish or Muslim or Hindu. What's it mean? I mean, what's the difference between being a, a Muslim and coming from Indiana? What's the difference from being a Muslim and uh, being a resident of Canada? It's belonging to a club. It has no meaning unless it has meaning. And it only has meaning if you've entered into the qualities that are directed towards you by the prophets of the religion. So what have they tried to do? What is the purpose of religion? The purpose of religion is to take on the qualities of God and to bring them into your being. This life lasts for a minute, but we think that it has a certain eternality to it. And because of that, we take things very seriously within it 
and we react to things within the world as if they had importance. What we don't realize is that within a snap of a finger, all of this will disappear. But what will be left is the residue of the qualities that we exhibited while we were going through this second. And the residue of those qualities are either going to be resentment, frustration, hatred, or love, kindness, and forgiveness. What is going to be the residue that exists when this body disappears? And that's what we need to be conscious of. And when Bawa sat in his chair and we watched him, we saw a being whose kindness and love did not have limits, whose kindness and love did not have qualifications or conditions. He was looking at things from the non-manifest world where the things that he saw here were of no importance, did not did not become uh, to the point that it would move him. He understood the larger picture. He came to our house when we were living not here about three times, I think. One time I had planned an entire uh, itinerary of excursions for him and his uh, entourage. And I told him about it. And uh, we were going to take him uh, something called the Brigantine Wildlife Refuge, which was a place where there were tens of thousands of birds uh, would come to uh, uh, nest over the summer, have their babies. And I told him about this, and he said, oh, that's good. You know, none of these things have any interest to me. He said, but I'll do it because the children will enjoy seeing it. He didn't have an interest in what was going on in this world because he saw the other world and he saw the disappearance of this world. People talk about the end of times. Well, there is the large end of times and the small end of times. The small end of times is going to come within 120 years for everybody. So when when they're looking about destruction, destruction is going to come in your lifetime for you. And the question is, what have you developed within yourself during the time that you were in this world? What were the criteria of what was important and what were the things that you held close to you. Now, usually the kinds of things that we hold close to us are people want to protect their being. People want to protect their honor. People want to protect their name. People want to protect their idea of themselves. And if someone has 
a different idea of you than you have of yourself, it becomes a confrontational thing where they put their point of view at you and you put your point of view back at them. Well, the people who have this point of view that is opposite to yours have the burden of carrying that animosity within their within their being. And animosity is the residue that they're building up in their being. And they are a trigger to trigger that same kind of response from you. So if animosity comes at you, you treat it with animosity. So what do you do? You both become carriers of animosity. And what good does it do you to carry animosity? What we need to do is we need to go into a silent space. We need to be able to have that silent space available to us at all times. And that silent space can't be available to us unless we make an effort to go to that space. So, in our daily lives, we have to do zikr, a remembrance, a meditation. But, that zikr can't just be words. It has to be the bringing about of strong emotional responses within our being. So when we say, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahman, we should be saying, Oh mercy, Oh mercy, let me understand mercy, let me feel mercy, let me become mercy, show me what mercy is so that mercy integrates in my being, so that I become mercy. What is Allah? Allah is mercy. If we are to understand Allah, we have to understand mercy. Mercy is not manifest in a material way. Mercy is manifest through the non-manifest world, yet it exists. Now, there are many in this world who live their life as if the manifest was all that there is, and that there is nothing else beyond the manifest. So they've created rules and regulations about how to dress, how to look, how to, how to walk, and how, how, how to carry yourself in the manifest world. Your beard should be a certain length. Your hair should be covered in a certain way. Everything has a rule as to what's manifest. But what good are all of these rules if love doesn't exist within your being? And if you can't contact that love? Uh, one of the things Bawa used to say, we just went through Ramadan, he used to say, Allah does not need you to fast if you can't give up your anger. So, the, 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 the material world, the material rules, 
are all secondary to becoming that which exists in the non-manifest world. When, When we disappear as a body, our non-manifest existence is all that's going to be left, the residue of that. And we can only enter into Allah's non-manifest world if we are like Allah. Anger can't move into the truth. Resentment can't move into the truth. Differences can't move into the truth. We say, Allahu Ahad, Allah is one. Everything is one. There is no duality. But as long as we see differences, we see duality. And if we see duality, we are not one. Now, this comes into focus in the midst of confrontation. Somebody comes at you. All of a sudden, they and me. It's a separate situation. Because they see differences doesn't mean that you have to. Because they have lost their way doesn't mean that you have to lose your way. Now, it doesn't pay, usually, to get into a discussion about confrontation. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. But I think he didn't mean let them hit you in the other cheek. I think he meant turn away. Walk away. Get out of the situation. Bowie would give examples of people and uh, confrontation. He said, if you throw a knife at a stone, it bounces back at you. There's no use to it. So we have to learn how to maneuver our way through this world. And we have to learn how to give up resentment when resentment is thrown up at us. We have to learn how not to react with the vile qualities that are often brought into our faces by people who carry vile qualities. The world is full of vile people. Uh, Some of them are so vile and their hatred has gotten so strong that they just blow themselves up. Literally, they blow themselves up. And by blowing up other people, when they blow themselves up, they think they've accomplished something. This is the kind of bizarre thinking that takes place in this creation. Our purpose is to become godlike. Our purpose is to become insan kamal. We are here to gather the qualities of Allah and bring them into our being and figure out ways to do that. And it can be done. This is the reason we were created. So we need to go into deep states of meditation where we meditate on intending 
love to become the overwhelming quality in our being. So overwhelming that it annihilates everything else within us. We have to learn how to do this. And it takes practice. It takes a constant vigilance and time. So every day, we need to set aside time to intend love. We need to set aside time to intend mercy. And as this intention grows within us, and we are willing to surrender ourselves to it as it comes to us, then something extraordinary will happen to us. But for it to happen, we have to realize that as we are overwhelmed by love, we begin to lose all of the things that differentiate us from everybody else. So we will lose our personalities. We will lose our animosities. We will lose all of the distinctions that we have given to ourselves. Most people can't do that because they don't want to do that. They don't want to lose their distinctions. They don't want to lose their separateness because they've identified their entire life with that separateness. So to take that separateness and throw it away and say, you and I are exactly the same at the core of who we are, is a very difficult step to jump into. But if you want to be able to exist in reality, you have to be able to do that. Because that's all that's allowed in reality. Because that's what reality is. We came from Allah and we returned to Allah. And we returned to Allah in truth, not in anger, not in hastiness, not in animosity, not in all of the qualities that don't belong to him. So our work is to become those qualities. And in becoming those qualities, our consciousness changes. And as our consciousness changes, and we become higher and higher in consciousness, we become open to everything that is beyond our senses. We begin to be able to see with the eye within the eye, and the ears, here within the ears, within the ear. We are capable of getting messages from the non-manifest world. And these will come to us as information. Everything is available. There's nothing new. It's all happened. We're not going to discover anything. We just might see something that we didn't see before or that nobody else saw before. But there's nothing new. Allah's creation covers everything. It's not like we create something new. So, as we travel this path, as we become more close to truth, we will have less response to this world. But we carry so much emotional baggage that we've built up through the years 
that makes us think we need to respond to things. We don't. And I have been confronted and sometimes it catches me off guard and I found the best thing to do is to walk away. And that doesn't change my integrity. It enhances it. At least I didn't fall for the moment that this thing happened. And then later, if necessary, we can somehow resolve the situation, if it can be resolved. But when there's deep animosity and when there's deep hatred, these are people who hate. They're not people who love. And to transfer them into lovers is is the work Sometimes of only Allah. It's not work that we can do. But the one who we can work on is ourselves. And that's the one we have to work on. So we need to become kinder, lovelier, more just, and more real. And as this happens, our life will change and we will have experiences beyond our imagination. Your imagination limits you. There are things that are way beyond your imagination that you're capable of getting involved in. When Bawa talked about his mystical experiences, they're all available to you. But you have to purify yourself. You have to become clean. And then Allah will show you the wonders of his world. May it be so for each of us. Amen. Amin. Ya Rabbi Lala Mia. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.